Hey, y'all. Welcome back. This is Jen. And before we get to this conversation with Kathleen Klug, I want to preface it with some big epiphanies I've had and just a leading that I also feel just might be necessary as we go into this conversation. Because, of course, when we record this and then edit it, there's a little time that lapses in between that period and then when you actually hear it in your ears. And some epiphanies showed up for me in the meantime that really relate to the conversation Kathleen and I had about starting with one small thing and the power of making shifts in our lives and that they don't need to always be this big Herculean effort. Many of us, I know I, have always battled that. And so I want to tell you the epiphany I had very recently, which was, I get up often, and you've probably heard me reference it before if you've listened to other episodes, with this common feeling of dread or overwhelm. Maybe it's a bit of an anxiety, but it's a darker, heavier, burdened, overwhelmed feeling, right? And it's not uncommon. And much of that has to do with there's so much to be done. There's so much to be done. I don't know where to begin. And because I'm self-employed, everything feels like it relies on me. And I realized something. I have historically taken on and gone to extremes, the big stuff, meaning, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm also going to add this task and this project and I'm going to volunteer here, and I'm going to do this thing. Even when I was at home with my kids and didn't wasn't juggling a career in addition to raising my children, as many of you are, I took on more than what the average person could really manage as one human being. And I had this kind of all or nothing thinking, and I don't know if you relate to that, but it is really insidious in the way that it makes us feel so lousy about ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. So this episode is for you. If you are really hard on yourself, if you feel like you never have enough time to get anything done, if you feel like you're not moving the needle and moving something in your life forward, I don't care if it's an item in your career, if it's something having to do with your physical body, if it's a mental attitude, it all feels so big. And then we think, I've got to then meet that big issue or challenge with the world's biggest solution. It's got to be massive. It's got to be Herculean. It's got to be a huge transformation. And I think that go big or go home kind of mentality has not served me well. And maybe someone else wants to hear that in addition to me. So I know I was very much... um. I was very uh, called called out in the best way. I don't mean this in a negative way and able to see something. It was like something was mirrored when I had this conversation with Kathleen. And it's so interesting to me that the simplest of concepts and the simplest of conversations can yield some of the biggest takeaways. And for me, it's dismantling my old autopilot way of living this frenetic pace that then developed a muscle memory, almost if that, for lack of a better term, of feeling the minute I wake up in the morning, oftentimes, because I've spent decades of my life having too much to do and too little time because I took off, took on more than was necessary. So I developed like a, a response in my body that I can only coin the phrase muscle memory for some reason. I developed a response that whether I have too much to do or not, I always have this nagging feeling like I should be doing more. I'm falling behind. I should be doing more. And I just wonder if anyone else is feeling that. And if you are, this is for you. And I join you. I see you. I feel you. I hear you. And we can do these things and we can do them by starting with one small thing at a time. And that is not inglorious or, or um, irrelevant. It's in fact foundational and essential. So with that, enjoy this conversation with Kathleen Klug. 
Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Listen For Real. I'm Jen Oliver. So love you guys and glad to be back together for a conversation. And guess what? Kathleen Klug is here and she is a new friend and I couldn't be more thrilled for the lovely woman you and I both share in common, Carrie Neighbor, who introduced us. And I am better for it knowing you now. So hi, Kathleen, welcome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. Yeah. Well, I wanted you here because as you know, this is the antidote to the echo chamber. And I always endeavor to have conversations with people who have in some way, shape or form, a different lived experience, a different worldview, different um, expertise than I do. Because what I've come to understand is I've been very much caught in my own echo chamber and I was neatly reinforcing what I already knew, which was limited. Uh, over and over with the same people, the same institutions, the same belief systems, my own mindset that just wasn't shifting. And I went, I really am this, I'm an, I'm an eternal learner and explorer and a curious person. And I'm finally giving that space to blossom. And this podcast is one way I do that. And one of the first things that intrigued me when Carrie told me about you and your book, it's called Start With One, y'all. I'll put it in the episode notes. Start With One, it was that, okay? Because I'm one of these all or nothing, take heroic measures when I want to take a change, when I want to initiate a change in my life, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, physically, you name it. And I think there's a lot of people who do that. And your whole premise of this book is simple and that it starts with one and it's simple and repeatable, right? And so I want to tell everyone, this is why I brought you here because that is not my strength at all. I, I am learning to and being coached in starting to make that a strength and it will get better and better, but it is a foreign territory for me because I just swing I swing to extremes historically, and I feel like I got to make everything big and badass and, oh my gosh, watch this. And instead of just going for a walk, it's I think to myself, well, it wasn't good enough. It's got to be this much, and I have to have this much grade, and he'll work. I mean, it, it's, it's complete shenanigans and a fool's errand, frankly, to think that everything's got to be gigantic. So that's a long introduction, but I really want to paint the picture in case other people resonate with that to say, hey, I'm just so glad to have you in my orbit now and to be friends. But B, I would love for them to know who you are. And if this has always been you, is this that in your career and in your work, this was generated by necessity because of what you were seeing in patients and clients, et cetera? Just what was the genesis of you coming to understand this so truly and deeply teaching it for decades and now writing a book on it and just tell everyone what they want to know about you. Well, okay. First of all, I'm going to go back to what you first said about the willingness, the attitude to learn and to, and to be willing to be a lifelong learner. Uh, I think the older we get, I think we, we come to realize um, how little we know, <laughs> you know, we were a lot smarter. We knew a lot more when we were like, right. Early twenties in our teens. Right. And then we realized, oh my gosh, there's so much out there. There's so much that I'm learning and then I know, but there's so much I don't. So I love the attitude and I feel the same way. I, I am so committed to expanding, um, what I know and, um, you know, just, just expanding my mind, my experience with, all there is that is that I don't have, that I don't know, that I'm not exposed to. So I think that just leads to just a rich, richer life, richer experience, compassion, because we also understand different things that we didn't before. So I applaud you for that. And, and that that's that's really like a way to live. Right. So, OK, um, for start with one, start with one came about, yes, because I have worked with people, mostly women, um, for so many years. I have been in the health and wellness field for 40 years in different capacities uh, as a group exercise 
instructor, a personal trainer. I've done all different formats, cycle and step and aerobics and strength and um, done personal training out of my home. I had a, a, did that for 10 years. And uh, in the meantime, I was also working in the drug and alcohol field and got my degree in addiction studies, went to the Institute of Integrated Nutrition and got my, um, graduated with my certificate in integrative nutrition health coaching. So right now I do personal coaching, uh, small group individual, and then I'm also a facilitator for groups at Kaiser now. So over the years, I've seen people in my classes. I've had people in my groups. Some, they're all looking to improve their health. Some do it pretty successfully, but many don't. And I know that when somebody does not feel good in their body. Now, I also know we are integrated, mind, body, spirit. And the idea of integrative health is that it is, it is the integration of who we are as a whole person. The knowing that what we eat, what we drink, how much sleep we get, how, how or if we move our body affects how we think. And we know this now I mean, on a scientific level. This has always been intuitive, but we just know all these connections now. Yeah. So uh, how we think and then, of course, how we feel. Our emotions come so much from our thoughts. And then that gives us our sense of spirit, which is connection to purpose and um, value and worth. So we are integrated. So anything we do in one area can affect the other. Well, I would see people just get so stuck. They have, they feel overwhelmed with all they'd have to change. Yeah. And I would just over and over, keep it simple. Start with one thing because what was happening is their overwhelm was keeping them frozen they couldn't move because they didn't know where to start. And they, we think that these small things, like what you said, no, they're too insignificant. They're, they, they, I need a big change. I need to change yes. this. So I need a big, big solution. Not realizing or really not identifying that we are where we are because of the small little tiny things that we do on a regular basis. So that's how we got here. And that's how we will get out of a situation is these small little consistent things. Besides the fact it's much easier to sustain these small actions, these small changes, uh, than it is to sustain a huge life change. Well, so and what a small thing does is this is something I've learned this year. I'm doing a lot with regard to retraining and reprogramming my mind, especially our unconscious. If anyone studies the mind and psychology and behaviors, we know that 5% of our mind is the conscious and 95% is the unconscious mind. And those are the neural pathways that govern so much of the decision-making, right? Yes. And our limiting beliefs. What I've learned very recently is that every move you make, even if it's a small thing, like you're saying, you start with one thing, is showing your mind what it can see to believe. It is building evidence that you are moving in a different direction and starting to create that new neural pathway. And and the mind doesn't know fact from fiction, and it's a win. And so every, I read somewhere, and I wish I could quote who it was, but that person said, every decision you make is a vote for the person you want to be and you want to become. And I just picture it as a vote, it, whether it's making my bed or making my protein shake. That was a vote for the gen I want to be versus maybe the gen I'm feeling like today, et cetera. So I really resonated when you said, these small things we think, and I don't know if that's a cultural thing, that's a, a, a very American thing that's got to be big and bombastic and impressive and all the things and the bells and whistles, when really, if you look at other cultures, if you look at things from a physical 
mental and spiritual practice, often the most powerful things are the most simple and not the big bombastic that we've been trained to think. I almost think it's probably a very American consumeristic mentality that's in informed that in me, at least. I can't speak globally here, but I don't know. That that just comes to mind how important this is and, and what you're saying resonates. Yes. I think James Clear said that, that every behavior, every action is a vote for who you want to become, for the person that, that you mean- want to yeah. Thank you. I think that is exactly right. Yeah. Atomic yeah. Habits, James Clear. Highly recommend y'all. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, one of the, the things that I love about the book, uh, The Four Agreements, is one of the agreements is being impeccable with your word. Yeah. And the idea is we say what we mean and we mean what we say, mostly to ourselves. So what has happened with people who who have been drifting and making unhealthy choices and decisions. And then all of a sudden they kind of wake up in this state, like, Oh my gosh, how did I get here? Whether they're, whether it's a health issue where now they're faced with some health consequences or whatever it might be, they say they're, they're sometimes really desperate. So that's another reason why people will say, I need a big solution because I'm desperate. And this is the state we can be. And, and I see a lot of those people. And so what they have done is they've, they've gone to where they have because of the small little things. Now they'll say probably before I ever see them, maybe a dozen to a a few dozen times, I'm going to, I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, and they do it for a day, a week, and then they quit. Mm-hmm. Or they're, they're not following through with what they say. Right. So this idea of being impeccable with your word, just like what you said is our, our, we are so unconscious, our, 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 it's our subconscious that basically rules what we do. Yeah. And when we continue to say things and don't follow through with them, we're basically building a, a lack of trust in our word, in ourselves, whether yes. we know it or not. So therefore, when we don't trust ourselves in that subconscious, we can say, and we might really want to do this, but that subconscious says, you're not going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to, and your subconscious goes, no, you won't. I've, you've oh been my- here dozens of times before and you, you won't do it. And so for real, yes. This is where we will always fall back into this subconscious and we, we won't follow through. If we keep it simple and small, we have a much yep. better chance of retraining our brain through small successes. Yep. And, and this is what we want. We want to, to be impeccable with our word because the words we say come into our cells, come into our subconscious. And we want to build back that trust. So when I say something, I do it. When I say something, I do it. When I say something, I do it. And that's what we have to build back. And that's why even another reason why these small little things, starting with one thing, keeping it simple, keeping it so doable that you almost can mm-hmm. fail. They're so important. You, you just hit on something that was like a light bulb flashing moment for me. Okay. So let me explain it by way of what's very commonly referred to in the manifesting. I call it superstitious manifesting, but there is a whole movement that we've seen over the last few decades towards manifestation. And that if you just create a vision board and say every day over and over, I'm going to be wealthy or I'm going to have a Tesla or whatever it is, that boom, you will manifest that into your life. That's wholly inadequate in that what you just said is true. If unconsciously your mind does not believe that, has never seen evidence to believe that, you're unconscious that you don't believe you're worthy of that, there is so much at play, again, 95% below the surface, that you can say all that till you're blue in the face, whether it's, I'm going to be thin, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, I'm going to be I'm going to run a marathon. You can say all of that. That will not manifest anything unless it is backed up A, that you believe it's possible in your unconscious mind, and B, that you back it up with aligned action, right? Mm -hmm. 
And the aligned action is those small things. So we've been taught, I think, in that big, make the big goals, put the big visions out there that makes you look big and impressive, attract the big stuff. You deserve this big life. I'm using big a lot for a reason there. Uh When in actuality, the gains will come from the little small actual steps where you actually did something. Otherwise, your brain's just going to go, yeah, like you just said. No, you're not. And in fact, I think it's insidious and and almost dangerous and working against us. It's counterproductive when you are saying a bunch of things that unconsciously you don't believe. You're just lying to yourself more and more and more. Does that does that make sense? I won't want to debunk. I I I want to debunk how it's unhelpful, but I also want to say it doesn't mean we don't have big dreams. I have huge yes. dreams. It doesn't mean we don't have big, audacious, scary goals that are feeling well beyond our skill set or our lifestyle currently. Yes. But that unconscious mind and having the aligned actions that coincide. I know someone right now who I'm thinking of, and I'll just use this personal example who would constantly say, I'm going to be wealthy. I'm going to be wealthy as hell. I'm going to be, and this, she would do these mantras and she believed that saying that was enough. And then I remember thinking, you owe me money. You routinely take advantage of other people and don't pay your own bills and pay your own way. How on earth are you ever going to attract that? That's a lie in your unconscious. And it's also doesn't show up in your aligned action. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I would love you to talk about, because you've seen this countless, countless. And again, I'm not trying to be harsh and unkind and call people out. I've been that person. 100. Yeah. Do you know, go ahead. I, I agree with you. I I do think though, instead of disregarding or, or, or saying, oh, this doesn't work at all. It's in combination with, and, yeah. and this is how I see these affirmations, this, this big thinking, this possibility. It, it is important, but it is in combination with the aligned action. That's right. How, how it's important is the idea is we have a lot of conversations in our head. And it is very likely if we are not creating what we want in life, well, we know we are our biggest limitations. And it's, we, it's in our mind. It's in our thinking. For sure. And it's very likely that we have been practicing this thinking, these beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about what we can do, what we can't do. Uh, I'm to this, I'm to this, whatever the case may be. They're all limiting. And it's very likely that, that these thoughts, we have been feeding ourselves for decades, for decades. Yeah. So um, when I, I, cause I do have people, I want them to have an affirmation. I want yep. them to practice an affirmation. And I understand that when people say, I am worthy, or I am, I am wealthy, or I am, I, I love to exercise, and they don't, um, the, the thing is that we want to do is we kind of want to bully those negative thoughts out of the way, or what we call crowd out. The, they think that what they're saying is a lie, like I'm worthy, yeah, yeah, whatever, maybe I am, maybe I'm. They, they think that is a lie. The thing that they have been practicing is I'm not worthy or I can't do this or I'll never earn this. That is the lie. That is mm. the true lie. Oh, my gosh. Go the, talk more about that. That's huge. Yes. The, the new thinking, the new affirmative empowered thought of, I can earn a good living. I can earn this. I can do this. I can go there. They may not feel it that they can. They may be having to convince themselves, but they're believing the lie that they can't. And that is a lie, even though they feel like this new thought is the lie. And I go, I know you may not believe it, but you've been believing a lie. So we got to bring in those affirmations. So I think there's an important role to those affirmations. But yes, it has to be aligned with our, with the, the aligned action. I have a, a, a little acronym and I, and I got it from my dear friend, Lucia, who I'm going to mastermind with and is, 
So it's called cafe. She's actually in Mexico. So she says it's coffee, but it's cafe. And we can do this. So it's C-A-F-E. Mm-hmm. And C is for a create, you create a vision. And this is maybe what you're talking about. Your friend did, right? You mm-hmm. create a vision. Mm-hmm. A is you, you follow up with aligned action. Mm-hmm. The F is to have faith. Mm-hmm. And then the E is to expect great things and be excited about, you know, having this expectation. That's beautiful. And those are all, I think, those are all skills. They're, they're actually skills to practice and we can get better. We can get better at really connecting with that vision and getting so purposeful with our line action. We can practice faith, practice yeah. thinking, I'm going to have, I'm going to expect the best. So, it, you know, it's kind of all of it. It is. Yes. But I'm really glad you said that and kind of called that out. That's a, that's a really important aspect of this. And it was far gentler and filled with far more grace than the way I approached it. And I love that. So that was needed. Thank you. And this is this makes me happy too when someone else says something and we're having a real conversation because if we're not, I don't even know what to say. And I say it to everyone in my podcast notes before they sit down is, oh my gosh, and when I'm off base or I need to, I would love a fresh perspective. That's the whole reason I need that. And I want that. And you, you gave me that just now. So thank you for that. That's really, it's important. Will you give some examples of how starting in your book, you gave several, and I really loved them because you talked about one client and it was this idea that there was a one at a time, I think it was she needed to get water and then she had water on her desk and then she would get up to get water. And then that led to the dog being walked, et cetera. Would you, for those who are very visual and illustration oriented, would you explain how starting with one step then leads to not only the benefits of the one step, but other things? Would you paint that picture of a client or an example? Yes. So yeah, in the book, I do talk about um, a client I was working with. She was feeling overwhelmed with her schedule. She was working long hours sitting at her desk at home. She was not taking care of herself. She felt way older than she was. And she really needed to make some changes. But she started out feeling overwhelmed. So the demands had to be very small because I did not want to overwhelm her with more stuff that Mm. she would feel bad about and over and stressed about. So we started with water. She wasn't drinking water. Now we know the power of water. We are, we need water. We need it for ourselves. We need it for our energy. We need it for our digestion. We need to, to think well, um, to feel well, we need it for everything. So It seems like such a small thing, but really it is a small thing, but it's really a big thing. So she would sit all day, would not drink so, or eat well. She would not even eat well, even though she was overweight, she needed, she wouldn't eat most of the day. And then she would just basically binge. Mm -hmm. So we talked about water, getting a water bottle. And so she started drinking. So in this case, Um, her commitment to drinking water led her to have to go to the bathroom, which was, she'd get up and getting up from your desk, just sometimes that's the hardest part, right? Once you're up, you're like, oh, okay, right? Okay. I think I'm going to go into the living room or, but, but so she would get up, she had, she had committed to drink so much in the morning and so much by two and so much by four. So she was getting up now to fill up, to go to the bathroom. And then she started, she wanted to start incorporating some movement. Well, she's up now. She started taking a a break at lunch. She would already be up. And again, sometimes just getting up is the important thing. Um, So that led to walking her dog at lunch. And well, she felt better just drinking water. I'm going to just kind of pause and I'll have, I'll give you another example, but James Clear talks about an entry point. Mm. Talks about an entry point. 
sometimes we think that it is an activity that we are looking to do. And that is our goal. Our goal, because when I talk about goals for every day, you start with one, I'm talking about behavior goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the visions and the overall big goals, yes, of what we want to create. But to to day, day by day, we have our goals of behavior. Mm-hmm. Those are the little things that, that add up. He talks about entry points for that. And I really like that idea. For her, the entry point was literally standing up and getting off of her desk. Yeah. Then she could do those other things. Then yeah. she could think, oh, I think I'm going to actually fix a lunch today. Oh, I think I'm going to go take my dog for a walk. I think just getting off of her desk was really the big thing. So standing up was her entry point to possibility. So I'm going to give you another example of walking. Okay. Because I work with people and they will sometimes begin with saying, I hate exercise. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not really f- keen on doing things I declare that I hate. <laughs> There's that voice again, right? The yep. message, right? Yep. Uh, but we need to get them to move. This is a health journey, and to have a health journey, you need to move. Whatever that might be. And there's a lot of limitations with the people I work with, but that's okay because you can move somehow, some way. So for some people who are at zero, it's a walk to the mailbox, walk mm-hmm. to the corner. Mm-hmm. And that's all. Yeah. And they can, then they start feeling good about walking to the corner and their body starts to get stronger. It's so simple, but they, they like it. They come home, they feel good about what they've done. Yeah. They, they get some blood going on. Some, yeah. you know, some nutrients flushing in their system, some energy to get outside for fresh air. Okay. So they're experiencing this and it feels good. So yeah. you know what? They're going to walk to the corner and then to the other corner because they're getting stronger. Not because they have to, as far as what even their necessary, their goals, but because they want to, because that's what happens. That's, yeah. that's the natural. It's like that once the ball is rolling, it's rolling. We, we naturally want to expand. Yeah. And, and this is how one thing leads to another. So they start walking. Now they're walking two blocks. Seems so small. But they feel really good about themselves. Mm-hmm. They're thinking better. Uh, maybe they actually see some neighbors and they go high and they feel like now they're kind of connecting with the outside world. They're, they're neighbors. They get sunlight which is huge and they're for our systems and, and mm-hmm. um, maybe they're sleeping better with that little bit of activity. Yeah. So one little small thing can lead to just different, it'll, it'll affect us in different ways we do not expect. Yes. I, I use the example of one small thing. We, we may not always think, oh, what's walking to the corner going to do? Well, what's, what if you decide to just have one donut a day? Just one donut. Every day, just one. You know? Um, you would quickly realize that there is an accumulative effect going on. Mm-hmm. It would affect your blood sugar, mm-hmm. which could definitely affect your mood. Mm-hmm. You'd probably have a peak and then, you know, a quick decline. So you'd probably be hungry afterwards and a little moody. Mm-hmm. Maybe even mm-hmm. a little shaky from from the sugar drop. Uh, your stomach may be affected probably eventually in a few days or soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you would start slowly, slowly probably gaining weight with that one donut, just this one donut. Mm-hmm. And we we see we can understand sometimes that. Or how about just you just do you have one change? You start smoking, just five cigarettes a day. That's it. Pretty soon, our, our, we would be restricted uh, in our lungs and we would, wouldn't feel so good. So sometimes we, we relate to the compound effect when we're doing something that's unhealthy, but we don't realize those small little things in the healthy direction are as powerful. Yep. 
Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break and then we will come right back and get into this a little more. Be right back. Friends, guess what's coming up? November 30th, the Real Conversation Speaker Series, live and in person. You take these amazing conversations that are candid and real, you put them on a stage with awesome experts, speakers, and panelists, and then you add you. Our audience is engaged. That means you get to ask your questions. You get to give your lived experience or perspective. It's an important conversation worth having. And guess what? Palladio. Style Magazine, Fusion Academy, FYC Labs. You know the common factor between those four amazing local businesses? They believe in conversations like this too. They are the presenting partners and sponsors of this speaker series. And I'm so grateful to be joining them and bringing this to you. Join us. Go to realgenoliver.com, Real Conversation Speaker Series, and grab your tickets. Hope to see you. This is your lucky day. If you are a person or know someone who has to book out the keynotes and the workshop facilitation for your company or your organization, or you just need a speaker for a special event, guess who is available? That's right. I am booking out now for 2024. And if you are looking for someone who's very relational, who talks all things communication, connection, leadership, I am wanting to have a conversation with you. Reach me at realgenoliver.com and let's just explore what your group needs and maybe I can help. And we're back. Okay. So you said, Kathleen, that you had a, a really beautiful epiphany this morning on your walk. And I truly believe some of t- sometimes y'all, I know you all can relate to there's these moments, especially when you're moving your body. There's something about physically engaging our body, whether it's in doing yoga, whether it's going for a walk, there's something about moving our body that allows our mind to, and the typical chatter in our mind to cease. And then the really nice learnings and epiphanies and awakenings seem to come more readily. I, as a speaker coach, I'm always telling my clients, hey, you're feeling stuck or you're trying to create content for a talk. Don't just sit down in front of your laptop and try and muscle it and make it come out. Go for a walk. Go move your body. Go turn on some music and dance. Somehow, and I don't understand it, Maybe you do, Kathleen, if you do help us understand it, but somehow cosmically, physically, something shifts. Maybe it's because the conscious brain is quieted and the unconscious can pick up on things or share things more readily. I don't get it, but it does work and it makes a big difference. And so I wasn't surprised when you said that. So would you, would you grace us with all that you learned this morning? <laughs> Here you go, everybody. Yeah. You're welcome. I love that uh, you say that because, yes, I I do have a personal rule. And one of I I have a few personal rules. One of them is I walk every day. That is just a personal rule. I make time, even even if I don't have the time that I want, I Mm -hmm. will even just do a 15 minute loop Mm -hmm. because of what you just said. It's like my time to I'm not being still, but it feels like there's, there's some kind of stillness, some uh, openness. So yes, I, I walk every day and, um, I, it's just my time. I love it. So yes, I was, I was walking and I was just connecting dots in this wonderful way that we get when we, when we can be in that space. But uh, a, a few weeks ago, um, I was talking with somebody and they're like, they were saying how hard something is. And I, I had been challenged with really getting out of my own comfort zone. And, um, you know, I'm growing my business. I'm getting out there. I'm, I want to just, I want to just share my message. I, I am not 
super excited about self-promotion, if to be honest. <laughs> it's, it's just not something that I've always done. I've not, I, and I don't, and I got to be careful with the words I use when I, when I talk like this, but yeah. it, it's not something that I've always liked. And I'm, I'm trying to soften around some of those beliefs around it for me, because I do believe that I have something to share that's important. And I do believe it, it is my assignment right now. So, but I was having a, a difficult time kind of in that moment when she's like, oh, this is so hard. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, getting pulled in. Yeah, I know, you know, this kind of sucks. And and just kind of following that energy of, yeah, this is hard. And then I was like, you know, I don't really have to do this. And my husband is getting ready to retire. He's counting the months down um, and wants to do this and that. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't have to do this. I mean, I could just retire with him, you know, and just don't, I don't have to even do this. I mean, financially we could do this and, and technically I can certainly retire. And then something caught me and I said, no, that's not an option because I'm choosing, I get to do this. This is, this is actually the fullness of life that I am choosing to do. So if I, if I retired with him, and it, I will just in some degree, I have been called to this. If I don't do this, how is that living for me? That's really what I came to. I had to remind myself, I, I choose to do this. Mm. I am following this lead, this, this purpose, this cause this mission in my life i'm so excited about it yes i it's not my best most exciting thing to get uncomfortable but i'm learning to even embrace that yeah and not doing this doesn't feel like an option to me so yeah. i reminded myself this is my choice i get to do this i get to be uncomfortable i get to grow I get to challenge myself and I get to learn. And I really connected it with the people I work with. Mm. Because yes, it's not if it's going to be difficult sometimes, it's when. The journey of expanding and growing and challenging what you know, sometimes everything you know, the, the, the challenge of like what you said, even opening up of saying, I live here, you know, in maybe these boundaries of what I have, how I grew up. And I'm like, no, I'm going to get rid of the boundaries. It can be uncomfortable. It can mm -hmm. be exciting too, mm -hmm. but learning and growing and expanding can be challenging. Yeah. And when someone's on a health journey, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. They're going to want to go back to old behaviors, old beliefs that they have been practicing for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And the littlest thing can put them on the bump. The being tired one day, I don't want to do this. Forget about it. I just don't think I can do it. Mm -hmm. I get it. I know. Mm -hmm. But you get to do this. Mm -hmm. You get to take care of yourself. You get to become healthy. Mm -hmm. And I believe that when we have health in our body, this is through good nutrition and good sleep and movement in our life. And we're not talking about being a raw vegan marathon runner. We're just talking about some good, consistent, healthy eating and movement. Yeah. We can do the things that we are called to do. We can show up as a, as a parent, as a mother, as a grandmother, we can show mm -hmm. up better as a, as a partner, we can show up better as we serve and love people. We feel better about ourselves, And when we feel better about ourselves, that comes out of us. We mm -hmm. can love better. So I just, I just had this shift in my mind of saying, I'm not, you know, following that little, maybe that poor me, or I know this is hard. Mm -hmm. I just kind of, it was a reset. And I said, nope. 
I'm, I am committed to saying I get to do this. And mm-hmm. I need to say to myself that some days more than other days. For sure. And it's, it's, there's a beautiful sense of agency that you're describing that I think is really important. And it's, I get to, or I'm, I'm going to choose this. You could choose not to drink the water. You could choose to drink the water. There's something empowering about deciding and reminding yourself you have agency in these things. And right there, just that inherently is very powerful. I think we underestimate that. And then you know what else came to mind? The oddest thing came to mind as you were just describing that. The simple, I choose this and a walk, even if it's a few minutes as one example of so many possibilities. I was remembering all those shows like Biggest Loser. We've seen them all over the years. You all know the shows where America and the world loves, entertainment industry loves a before and an after. I don't care if it's a house that you flip or a body that is 100 pounds, morbidly obese, and then suddenly is running a marathon six weeks later because they work with this trainer on a famous TV show, which I always thought was so, I don't know, there's something wrong. <laughs> something so wrong in the messaging sent there because how on earth, anyway, I, I could go into a whole litany on that. But my point is, Again, back to what we started at the beginning is this, it's got to be big and impressive and a big giant before and after. And then I'm just so curious, like how you're left wanting or how it's not sustainable or what's the percentage of those situations that were sustained versus the unglamorous quiet, still voice of agency. That is, I choose this and I'm going to choose to walk over and drink some water. I'm going to choose. The other thing I thought of was um, I'm going to go choose to slice up that sourdough bread that a guest brought to my house the other night that has been calling me to the toaster with butter every day since. And gluten just doesn't serve me very well. Oh boy, it tasted good. But I went, no, I'm going to go slice that up after this podcast, put it in the freezer for when I have guests and I need to put some out because I sure as hell won't throw it away because that's just something I can't seem to do. Uh, But I'm not going to keep eating the damn sourdough toast. And it's not because sourdough toast is inherently bad. It's because I choose something more for myself and it doesn't serve my body, my inflammation levels or my mind and my mood and my ability to think clearly. It just, gluten does that with me. So that's a small thing. And that is a choice I can make. So that was just Jen in real time. I know it's really glamorous sourdough toast, but Hey, this is the reality of it. That when you talked about agency and choice, I just, I know everybody who's listening right now is thinking, ah, something's probably popping in their mind. And that tells me this is true and it's good and it's right. And it is sometimes these small, beautiful, incremental things, not the big giant uh, before and after transformation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that and really connecting that as, as an important and like takeaway as a like, yes, it is so important. It's, it's empowering to connect with it. What we know, and for me, this is what this was. And you, to, we can know something, but when we experience it, it's, it's, and we can, then we connect what we've just done. It, it brings more just this awareness and this, again, choice. Awareness always brings choice. But all change starts in your mind. So... This choice I made to say, no, this is, I, I'm doing this. I want to do this. This is, this is my choice. Was that connection of what I know that all change starts in your mind. I know this stuff. But in that moment, I experienced this, like the connection of it. Yeah. My mom has always said, I get to do this. She's always mm. been an I get to person. Really? Yes. 
And, and it, you know, it, it's kind of funny because she would always say, even with things that you wouldn't want to say, I get to do this. I get to go to the doctor. I get to, oh, come on. No, I get to. And this is, again, a way of thinking. Of, it's it's this, this way of experiencing life that, that everything really is a blessing. How about that? How, how about that if you say, oh, I get to do this? Mm. It's hard to connect that with things that are difficult or things that are painful or that we connect with grief to. But, but we can still find a way to acknowledge difficult things, um, losses and such, and still connect with there is a blessing in this. And maybe that's what I get to. So, you know what, let's wrap this up with an example then. You just, we were talking so much about physical health and behaviors, but as you pointed out, all change starts with your mind and awareness brings choice. So that makes me think, okay, upgrading our mind, our mental, our mental state or our, our mindsets our spiritual connection, let's say, what is a starting with one look like there? Because we, so let's go again back to that most basic element. And instead of the physical with water or taking a walk, can you give me some examples of things you've seen either in your own life or other people? I live by story. And um, because that just really speaks to me. And I think most people, can you give an example of that? Because I really, I just want to, I feel like I meant to hear this and I know that must mean somebody is as well. This, this idea of also the mind and spirit little starting with one step change that unleashed a lot of different things. Yes. I, I, I worked with a gal who, who came to me because she wanted to get healthier. She wanted to kind of dial in her eating and, uh, but it was it was quickly, and I share this in the book, and I bring this up because I still see her, and she still talks about this. So it, it keeps it fresh in my mind. Yeah. She had some, a lot of resentment that she kind of discovered in this uh, process of us working together. Mm. She hadn't signed up for this. She had the, her... Her husband had had some injuries and uh, it just wasn't the life she signed up for. Mm. And she was just kind of bitter about it. Um, she had been, yeah, so it, it, anyways. So one of these, the things that we had her do is start identifying the things that are working and the things that she is grateful for. So she started a gratitude journal. And that gratitude journal led to an awakening for her Hmm. of all that she had. She, she was experiencing bitterness and resentment that her life wasn't what she thought it should be. And she was not seeing all the stuff she had. This gratitude, this, this practice of identifying things that she was gratitude that she was grateful for changed her life. And and Mm. she tells me this today, this was years ago. And she talks about how she was walking down the street. She remembers the corner, everything and how it just came to her walking, right? Another walking story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it just was this epiphany, like, Oh my gosh, I am so blessed. I it was almost like the shame that she was focusing on all this other stuff for so long when this came over her and she realized and we kind of received these, all this goodness that she did have in her life that she was unable to, to see because her focus was on what she didn't have or, or what she didn't like. Yeah. She said her, the, the things in her health started just resolving she started taking care of herself better. She started eating better. And this is just from her words. And she will, She still has a gratitude practice. I just saw her this week. She mentioned it again. 
And, yeah. and so I think that, it, and I do think that practicing such a powerful thing such as gratitude yeah. can change one's life. Yeah, I do too. Because it is how we see life. Mm-hmm. It's how we experience life. We experience ourself, our relationships, our work, our home, our food, our, our life, what we can do. And there's so much when, when we are focused on the problem and there's that saying, I said, what 95% of people focus on the problem and only 5% on the solution. That's kind Mm -hmm. of what a lack of gratitude is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is, that's one simple thing that can affect everything. And and it changes. It connects with your your spirit, your sense of worthiness and value, uh, and and your mind. Of course, you have you start perceiving the world differently, and of course that connects with your body. Yeah. So that that would be one small small thing, but it's huge. Yeah, it is yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. It is. Ugh. I love it. I love it. Oh, I love, we could talk about this stuff all day long, <laughs> seriously. And I, I appreciate you being willing, a putting it down. You guys check out this book, start with one. I read it in like three days. It's so eminently useful and readable and, and, and you can go right into it. it Kathleen, you just have a really good way of making it succinct and clear. And you don't go in all the theoretical and esoteric, and then we we get lost in that. Instead, you go straight in to why it matters and examples of how it works. And so I love that. And you kept it simple. It would have been crazy to have a book on start with one on the simplicity of up-leveling certain areas of your life. And then it's a treatise that's like 4,000 pages long and really complex. Totally. That would have been counterintuitive. Well, can I say one more thing? Gosh, you can say 20 more things. Okay. Well, so this is a book about about behavior change, you know, mm-hmm. and connecting and understanding our integrativeness of body, mind, spirit. Mm-hmm. But when I was assigned to write this book, I questioned, there are so many books out there. Why me? I mean, if, if, behind me, I have Atomic Habits, which is an amazing book. And, yeah. and I love it. And I, and I was always so inspired by these books. I really did feel called to write this book. And we do have a lot of information about behavior change. But this is my voice. I I appreciate that. And so there's that. But what I really understood about how I wanted mine to be different Mm. was that because I work with people who have been been believing the lies of I can't, or I'm too old, or I'm too fat, or I'm too, you know, not worthy. Or, um, and the voices and their, their, how they beat themselves up. And, and that is so counterproductive that I really knew that grace, self-love and self-compassion during this time of growing and changing had to be like the umbrella that covered all this, the, the, the systems. Because I talk about a system of, you know, environment and you ask, you get your support system and your reward and all that's super important. But when we are learning new things, we will fall. When, when, when a baby starts to, to walk and they take their first step, we celebrate. Oh, they fell. Yes, but we celebrate. We don't go, how come you only took one? Why didn't you take yeah, 10? Exactly. You lame, lazy baby. <laughs> I mean, it's like, we don't say that. No. And they're learning something new. And we, we yeah. were excited when they take one step. Right. Gosh, when does that change? That's so insidious. You're so right. So, so the idea of grace for self and compassion for self and this love for self is such a, I, I want that to be so loud and clear in this because we will fall. We will say things that we don't do, but that's okay. We're learning. We're working hard. Right. It's okay. We will fall. We will drift. We will have an incident that takes us off track that's and right. we'll have a hard time getting back. It's okay. We can get back. You don't have to just keep going down that road. You can come back with grace. And so, you know, hmm, there's something to learn here. That throws me off. Okay, good. You've learned. 
but good grace and kindness. And so that, I just want that to be such a, a message that comes through that is so important in this process of change and growth and expansion. So I hope, I hope it did. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Oh, y'all. Um, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate that you take time and you join this conversation and join us. And I hope you have a beautiful week. I really do. And that you start something with one. I, I literally have a list that I'm really excited about all little things that I'm starting with. So I will report back. In fact, that's my accountability is I'm going to report back to you, Kathleen, and to this crew of pod squad people um, those things, because and one of them's cutting up that toast that's going in the freezer, and the others are it's writing because that's I love to write, and it's taking fifteen minutes a day. And my coach has been saying to me forever, just schedule out fifteen minutes. And I always get in the way, and then I think, oh, if I don't sit down and write a chapter, it's nothing. No, no. I mean Stephen King. So I'm thinking of all these amazing writers, and a lot of them just say, God, just sit your butt in the chair for a few minutes. And that's, that's what you got to do is probably what you did to get this book done. And it's, it's little things like that. So those are two I can promise you I'm doing. Excellent. And yeah, I'll be talking to you soon. Thanks again, everybody. Thank you. See you next time. Listen for Real is produced by the Jen Oliver Collective and is edited and mixed by Mark Brown. Our music entitled Zero is written and performed by Shannon Curtis. If you believe conversations like these belong in the world, would you please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast? And even better, share it with someone else as a real conversation starter. And if you crave something in person, join our audience at the Real Conversation Speaker Series. The link is in the show notes. We'll see you next time.